really just have fun and, and play the game we know how to play because when we play our game, there's no one in, in the nation that can beat us. There's no one in the nation. When we play our game, our style of play, and our grittiness, there's no one that can stop us. Hello, Frog fans. Welcome to Post Game Beers Podcast. We are the Lupton Drinking Club, ready to talk frog ball. What a week for the Frogs. They go 3-1. and one. They handle business at home versus Oklahoma State. Um, I'm your host, Kyle Malloy at YellMK, joined by my co-host, Jacob Sailors at JD Sailors. Uh, we've got a full crew uh, with you tonight as well. Crazy Ray Cartwright, our producer, the Sultan of Stat, Martin Guerrero, Garrett Evans, and uh, we are bringing back uh, Mr. Matt Perk, uh, a full Zoom room, uh, just staring at each other like a, a bunch of weirdos. Hey, um, MK, before we get started, I'd like to I'd like to take the opening question. Or what's y'all's favorite TV show going right now? Man, I was going to say the same thing, and I know what you're going to say. Like, we're all session, right? Everybody? Everybody's watching, no. it, right? No, no, no spoilers. What the oh hell, guys? My goodness. What are we doing? It's so good. Succession is uh, so good. Martin's over there like, the- how do you have time to watch Succession when UNC Wilmington is playing Campbell on Tuesday night? <laughs> I just got MLB TV, too, so. Oh, yeah, it's over. Mm-hmm. No Succession for Martin. I'm still, I'm still right, in right, right, pro right, ball so- mode, though, when it comes to TV shows. I'm built to, like, let them make their run so I can watch it in, like, three days. Yeah. But yeah. that's well, what Now's the time for succession because they're on the fourth season and they're calling it quits. They're not going to, you know, until everybody hates the show like a lot of shows do. What they're, is it? They're on? done. What is uh, that? HBO and Hulu. HBO. Okay. You know, I'm, so after last night's episode, I was perusing the Twitter and uh, someone tweeted it, it, it was a really good point saying Netflix has kind of ruined TV. Have you the seen sense- the Have you seen the South Park? No. Okay, so real quick, the kids like create a show, right? And they call Netflix and they go, Oh, thank you for calling Netflix. Would you like three seasons now or just a pilot episode? <laughs> As in, like, yeah. they approve everybody that pitches them a show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, most shows these days are binged. Everyone's like, Oh, I'll watch them. And like Perk just said, three days. Yeah. Where you don't get that old, that weekly release that you used to get with a lot of shows. And yeah, that... and well, and I found too when I'm binging, I finish one, I go to the next one. When I watched Succession last night, I'm like, all right, let me. I want to watch the interviews with the actors and just see mm-hmm. like the behind the scenes. Like that's but, like really diving into a show, Ray. And then I'm week, taking like, it a step further. I'm immediately googling the show and finding right, yeah. articles that have been written about it, that critics have reviewed it. Yeah, see what people, what other people <laughs> think about it. It's, bringing back that communal experience you guys may be feeling left out of this conversation but i promise you all thirty-three thousand people listening to this podcast are watching that show right now (laughs) it's It's a good show it's a good show (laughs) anyway i'll start um i'll start season one uh right after this okay do it uh yeah so we you know my wife's a true crime fan so we but then you know with all that stuff you've seen everything at this point you've seen all the crimes that have what happened is it with women ever. in crime but here's the thing so Can now we we're just sociological or sociological uh discussion women and serial killers <laughs> we've Real switched thing. off into just weird stuff like uh on netflix there's a the, the series on waco and then oh, yeah there's another yeah, one, one uh keep sweet pray and obey about warren jeffs and all the uh, what trash human he is so that will give you some nightmares and, and make you feel gross. So, yeah, that's what we watch in the Malloy household. Martin <laughs> can go on about Waco. 
the new one? Just in general. Oh yeah. The stadium. I'm, I'm, that's, I'm watching that's on the uh, Patreon. Save it for the Patreon. <laughs> I, I started watching a show yesterday on uh, Netflix, like well, I guess it was today at like three in the morning. Um <laughs> it's a Spanish show and it's based off of a sketch that they did in twenty nineteen. Is a, a Mexico City cop and they're doing like a drug bus and he's like trying the drugs and then he ends up <laughs> yeah and he ends up saying like so he's like we don't have time you know to send it to the lab to test it so he's doing it and then they're like so is it and he's like uh, no uh, <laughs> like it's flour <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, he's like all disappointed <laughs> I'm gonna take a a kilo. <laughs> so my oh, wife. Okay, okay, he's being. He's like, so my wife can make some bread tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, they. Yeah, they built this whole show off of that sketch from three years ago. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. Funny premise. <laughs> oh, man. All well, right, so good Easter, fellas. Talk. Any Easter, Easter chat from Sunday? Yeah, church was good. Did you know the Easter Bunny's not even in the Bible? I couldn't believe <laughs> that. Hold on. Our pastor said Easter, the Easter Bunny doesn't oh, hold the eggs. phone. <laughs> you Brand mean new. to tell me yeah. that there's no like, Saint Easter Bunny? Yeah, what are we even doing with the Easter Bunny? What's the point? No Saint Peter Cottontail? Kids no. That's all it is. Rip off. We celebrated yeah. uh, with something kind of fun. So we had our kids and their cousins, uh, there were seven of them, with a pinata um, of a bunny. And so, so yeah, you know, you quickly go from uh, a message about, you know, the Lord and, and some some pretty awesome stuff, and then you turn it into, let's smash a bunny's face open and grab mm. some candy <laughs> running around. <laughs> it was a great yeah. time. Yeah. It was fun. Well, was, uh, growing up, we had a really, so we always do an Easter egg hunt, and this was like yeah. children and adults. And it was like 100 eggs. And there was one egg with a hundred dollar bill and you didn't know which one. And it was just a free for all. So like you could be out yeah. there. And, I mean, you could get 10, 15 and just pop them all open empties, like nothing, mm. nothing. And it was, it was, it was one like everybody was pumping. Like it got pretty intense, you know, and then was, one of your nephews grabs the hundred dollar bill. Doesn't even know what to do with it. Yep. You know? yep. Yeah, man. <laughs> it, having two younger brothers all around the same age, we're three years apart. Easter Sunday was our Super Bowl. Like we really got fired up for that Easter egg hunt, and we'd always remember who won the previous years, and we kept score year after year on how many titles we've won. Dude, I missed that a lot. It was like a top five day as a kid. Have any of y'all ever done an adult Easter egg hunt? Doing one Friday, out, where they put out beer instead of Easter eggs. Never done one, but I'm looking forward to Friday because um, I my nieces and nephews are going to be over, and we're doing an Easter egg hunt with them. And so afterwards, we're we're gonna dive into the adult Easter egg hunt. I've never done one. This is after UNC Williamson. I was gonna say, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be, I'll be, yeah, I'm gonna have to miss Friday. I uh, I'll be there Saturday. Should we talk about that for a minute? We should. Yeah. So in case you haven't seen our Twitter, which I'm venturing to guess, like 99.9 percent of people who listen also follow us on Twitter. But just as a reminder, this Saturday against Wilmington. The five of us and six, if if Matt would like to join, we're going to do the uh, nine by nine challenge, which is nine innings of baseball, nine beers and nine hot dogs. 
all by the completion of the ninth inning. So if you would like a, we're going to do a like a highlight YouTube video and, you know, we're going to do a lot of cool stuff for anybody that donates to the cause. So if you'd like to be a part of that, our Venmo is linked onto our Twitter or you can DM us if you want to contribute and we'll make sure we take care of you guys with a shout out a sponsorship or whatever it is that uh, we can do for you. So yeah, if you see us out there Saturday, um, we're going to be miserable guys. Y'all ready? I need pace of play to go out the window on Saturday. <laughs> Bring back my four-hour college baseball game. Who's bringing the BB gun to shoot out the, the, the clock? Yeah, so, so MK and I were kind of mulling over strategy. We don't think the beers will be a problem, but mixing nine hot dogs in, guys. Oh, the hot dogs. That's what's going to get you. It's, it's for game. sure the hot dogs. It's the dogs. Yeah, I don't normally eat during a game, but I can put down four to six beers in a nine-inning game, like Easy. just casually. Mm-hmm. So I can stretch that. So one caveat here, since they are 16 ounce beers and because of financial constraints, we are going to do seven 16 ounce beers, which is the equivalent of nine 12 ounce beers. I don't know, Jacob. I, I'm, I don't know about that, man. I'm okay. Well, I'll tell nine. you what, if, if we get enough sponsorship money, then we'll do the full nine, you know, 16 ounce beers. Yeah, they are larger for sure. I don't know if I, when I, when I'm holding up seven bottles at the end of the night, I'm not going to feel like I accomplished the full, no, but, you, but, but how often do you eat during a game MK? Yeah. Like I'm worried right. about like two hot dogs, much less nine. Yeah. That's going to be brutal. Hey, can we bring our beer bats? There's no, no way. No equipment allowed. The thing We'd is be drinking. It would yeah. be like five beers and four bottles of foam. <laughs> the, the foam settles after an inning. Yeah. So you don't really in. have an inning. But then you're up against it. Yeah. <laughs> but can you can you front load your beer or front your, load your hot dogs? Or your strategy is, it is up be to you. an inning hot dog beer. Okay. No, your strategy's up to you. Oh, really? You go straight camel pack. Yeah. So oh, if you want to house the camel pack and just yeah. have it there just on the shoulder when you need it. See, I thought we were we were buying one beer, one hot dog every. No, your strategy is completely up to you. Okay, all right. You better crush those hot dogs early. Yeah, because we got to <laughs> kind of turn it into a contest. So you know, much there's bread. Gotta be, like, there's got to be some game management involved. Some does loser have to? Hot, I, I agree. The hot dogs, the hot dogs, gotta go. Gotta go first. Is Ray gonna have like a cup of water to dip the buns in? <laughs> I'm <laughs> dipping in the beer. See, <laughs> who's yeah? Who's the first person to do that? See, I'm gonna try to not make the mistake of holding on to my beer for three or four batters too long. You know, I want to try to keep up with the rhythm of the game. You know that, what I mean? It's actually you know going to I mean? take a lot of work. We might be working harder than the players. <laughs> three or four batters go by and y'all are looking at my, why is he still holding that beer? He needs to go to the next beer. We're definitely going to be adding more <laughs> calories than the players will be burning. Half the room got my joke. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> should the loser of this contest uh, wear a clown suit to the Texas TCU? No, no more clown suits. The loser of the contest is on five loser, of us yeah. for participating. I think by the end of it, we're all going to be losers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Come Sunday morning. I'm all be feeling, you guys are doing feeling, this on uh, Saturday when it's not dollar hot dog. Man, yeah, we, See, we talked about that. Been, would have been the right dollar hot dog is when they're primed and ready. Well, MK MK vetoed that because he's too old to go to work Monday after eating nine hot dogs and drinking nine beers. Uh, yeah. Well, some of us, quite have, frankly, have, I am too. I'm just stupid enough to, to still yeah. do it anyway. <laughs> going to have to cash in some PTO boys. 
Yeah, make it. <laughs> what, what, what like you, a, that sounds like a future me problem. What are you doing on your day off? Uh, I'll be in the bathroom. That's I'll be it. laying down. Gary, you're not going to get off easy. That 5 a.m. diaper change is going to come fast. Yeah. <laughs> for which, for Me who? changing my own diaper, too. <laughs> <laughs> Me and him All right, both, let's talk man. baseball. All right, let's, let's, let's start. Let's stop having fun and start talking baseball. Baseball was fun. This is going to be a lot of fun. Let's start with the fun on Tuesday night. Frogs went to Tarleton State. Uh, they took on the vaunted Texans out there in Stephenville. After four innings, they were down uh, in a bit of a hole, eight to four. But Tarleton would not score again. The Frogs put up five runs in the sixth and seventh inning. They won nine to eight. Uh, Jacob, uh, some positives from from this game. What'd you see? Yeah, I mean, you don't like to fall down early. You don't like to see pitchers struggling. But, you know, kind of as I'm watching it, I'm thinking our bats have been too good. There's no way this team's going to hold us down. If we can just stop the bleeding in the bullpen, then I think we got this game. And, man, a preview of things to come. But how about that Anthony Silva? I don't want to burn that segment too hard right now. But, boy, to see him come up with that clutch hit, that was nice. Um yeah, just, you know, it's it was a close game, and people on Twitter weren't exactly thrilled with the result. But, dude, when you talk about how many Tuesday games we lost last year, I, Matt, I text, we, we were texting about that. I said, they lose this game last year, right? I mean, what do you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. That, w- that one would have not have come back. I mean, I think, honestly, the last time we went to Tarleton, we might have almost lost two, or we did lose, I can't remember, uh, two years ago. But, yeah, it was one where, you know, you're – you all you have to get the win. Like it's just a it's a have to, even if it's ugly, you have to get the win. So you're glad to have it. Um there definitely was some good things that came out of it. Um what you for me what I saw was is a team in Tarleton, a coach, knowing how important that win could be and riding a guy that he had confidence in too long to where it imploded. Cause mm-hmm. that inning basically that's what it was, is that he was like, Man, this is I this is my best guy. I gotta leave him in there no even if it's not working. Um, because they know how important that kind of win would be for them in their season. Um, but like we talked about when we were texting, it's like just the pressure that this offense can put on pitchers. That's that's the key. It's like just keep pushing on them and keep pushing on them until they break, and that's what you saw out there at the end. Yeah, and an inter- interesting follow-up to that, Matt, is you know we were watching the broadcast on TV. Uh, Ray and Martin were actually there, and I want to hear y'all's takes next. But to your point, Dylan Del Vecchio, the Tarleton starter, he went three up, three down in the first inning. And then the second inning, uh, TCU gets a guy on, and the broadcast, which was a Tarleton broadcast, was like, oh, this is where you just don't want to unravel. This is where you just need to take a deep breath and, and just make your pitches. <laughs> so, you know, they kind of like – they were kind of like, we've seen this happen before. The meltdown's coming at some point. Ray, um, you and Martin were there. Um, I, I don't know if you – did you tell us that Kirk made a joke before the game that we we're going to see a different pitcher basically every inning? And that's kind of what we did see. We saw seven pitchers for the frogs. No, I don't remember. Kirk. No, no, no. MK, MK, let me hold on. No, the broadcast said that TCU is so deep. They're probably just going to throw nine guys, one inning. And I thought they had said, Kirk told them that and I was like, hold up. What? And I asked Ray if, if he heard Kirk ever say that before. So I was like, there's no way they're going to do that. So maybe they, they were just making – maybe it was a hyperbolic point about how many pitchers we have on the squad. I don't know. That's what that came from, MK. But, you know, after Braden Sloan was taken out, he had Mason Cohen, Ryan 
Ben and Garrett, neither all of those guys combined to allow a combined zero earned runs in the game. Yeah, uh, Mason got hit around a little bit, but he, you know, he at least stopped the bleeding at the inherited runners. Yeah, three, um, uh, three hits. Now four runs to come in. There was a costly error yeah. in there that made all those uh, runs unearned. Yeah, but to your point, Feaster, Vanderhei, a belt right, slammed the door, allowed the offense to come back. Kind of a preview of what you'd see to come in the weekend. For sure. But I'm curious, guys, um, what was the scene like out there in Tarleton? I've never been out there. You ever watch a Theo Vaughn special? <laughs> if you're asking me directly, no. But it sounds like every kid there had that Theo Vaughn yeah. haircut. From okay. age two to twenty, they had that, <laughs> that mullet. Yeah, I noticed that in the Texas State game tonight. A lot of those, a lot of Morgan Wallen looks. They set a uh, they set an attendance record for you know the frogs in town. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I think everybody Super Bowl. I think it was an artificial artificial attendance because uh, it was like mid- military day or something, and like a whole third of their section was their JROTC guys. They were forced to be there. Including one guy the that had to stand up the entire time like Gomer Pyle holding the flag. <laughs> yeah, he didn't, a, make his rack, he didn't make his rack this morning. So he, he was, was wearing a helmet, too. <laughs> he looked like uh, Forrest Gump. He's the duty soldier. It was you the know, same guy the entire game? I think so. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's hazing. Yeah, Is it a good spot to watch a game? The, uh, the bit of the pod. It's a huge improvement from two years ago. I didn't go two years ago, but they had like chain link fence. I think they did have like natural grass, but it was not well kept. They went to turf. Yeah, they went to turf. The turf looks a lot better. The walls look better. Um, a lot of bleachers, but there's no uh, there's no restrooms in the stadium. Oh, Rick, you yeah. remember that? You were there. <laughs> did you travel? That is to- wild. <laughs> Yeah, we were talking to Ben That's Upton so about insane. this last week. You know, You're Ray right. goes to the bathroom like seven times, and he was in there with like both teams' bullpens. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I would not. I would have not done well out there then. Uh, I mean, it wasn't like super far. It's, I mean, it's like super a cozy far. It was like place. a football field away. <laughs> At least it was I mean, the nice trailers. At least it was the nice ones. Okay? Yeah, they do have some nice, the nice ones. You yeah. know, there's nothing nothing more humbling than being in full uni and going in yeah. after just yeah, some dude, guy. Weird spikes running yeah. behind you yeah. on the concrete. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's definitely not the worst D one park I've been to. <clears throat> no, they're getting better. Uh, I mean, that, the two years ago that was a we we had to play during the daytime because they didn't have uh, D one lights. Jeez. So we had to play like a, a one o'clock game on a Tuesday because yeah, they didn't have lights yet because there there's weren't D one uh, specs yet, um, yeah, and then yeah. they didn't have turf. The bullpen is off of the like little league style off the dugout, like yeah. it's that's right yeah. there, and you're just standing there the whole time. So it it's gonna get better. I know that they're looking to build like actually some like good cages in a softball and a baseball locker room and like all that kind of stuff. Um, so eventually get there, but yeah. It, that place when we walked out of there in 21 it was like yeah we're never coming back unless they get a lot better yeah yeah they got uh, brand yeah. they got brand new lights and everything's brand new yeah. i mean that's it's, good yeah, but it's when it comes to rpi good. like playing that game there it's 45 minutes and playing an, a game there and getting 1.3 wins like 
that's one where it's like you almost have to make sure you have it. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Garrett, did you have anything that we missed? Any um, any Anything that stuck out to you in this game? No, same not on this one. A uh, little, little scary there, uh, but uh, was happy to get out, out of the uh, midweek with the win, man. That set it up, set us up well for the uh, for the weekend. And and what you hit on with uh, with Anthony is great, and David Bishop getting a dinger was great. And was happy to get ready for Oklahoma State. Dude, Cole yeah, almost and- had a home run if it wasn't for that dumb fence they have now. <laughs> um, Tarleton State. <laughs> 216 in RPI, that would have been a pretty devastating loss. So I don't want to overlook that point. I mean, yeah, it's we're like, yeah, cool. We came out with a win, but man, I think we're kind of understating how big it, it big it was to pull that out. Um, yeah, I want to say Martin Texas during the game, and it was like like we we're 22 and nothing over the last, you know, whatever, and had never lost in Stevenville. So I'm glad we came out with a win um on Tuesday night. Yeah. Uh, moving us into the weekend. Friday night, the Frogs hosted Oklahoma State. Absolutely massive series that had and will have uh, huge implications for the Big Twelve. Uh, Friday night, or excuse me, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna change how we talk about this. So let's okay. say let's say game one, game two, game three, because I'm already messing up which night we played. Um, game one, <laughs> I told you Thursday. it was gonna happen. I, you, I told- you you said it. Game one, not Friday night. It was on Thursday. Uh, did not go the Frogs' way. Heartbreaking loss, seven to six. Um, Chase Hoover. Uh, took the start over Vanderhigh. Uh, he gave up all seven runs and seven hits. Did have six strikeouts, but kind of a rough night uh, for Chase. And I'm not going to lie, just uh, I'll talk about my feeling for a second before we go into the details. I was probably more frustrated with this specific loss than I had been for any game over the entire season, even some of the Tuesday night stuff. And the reason I felt like that was I thought it was we gave it away, right? This was the Frogs game and they gave it away. And then, and and in that moment, I'm thinking there's no way they're going to win the series. Uh, they've got two more, you know, games to play, and so I I went to bed uh, pretty upset. I I definitely um, I definitely second your sentiments on being frustrated. I think I'll push back a little bit on giving it away simply because hitting home runs is not easy, and they hit a lot of them. Oklahoma they had five in the game. I mean, it's it MK. It's hard to hit a home run. They earned every one of those. Um, did we have opportunities? Yes. I was going back through the play-by-play today. And I mean, I think there were like four innings where we had rallies and failed to capitalize. And it just seems like that's a theme in our losses. It's like, damn, it was right there. If we just get a clutch hit, clutch hit here, clutch hit there, we win the game. But I want to start, first of all, talking about the decision to start Chase Hoover instead of Ryan Vanderhei. And, you know, I think we've been kind of harsh on Kirk for pitcher management based on our, you know, pitching expertise that we collectively have. And Matt, not included, that's actually serious about you. But Ryan has struggled finding, you know, the strike zone over his last few starts. And if you walk Oklahoma State a bunch of times, they don't even need to hit home runs. You know, they can just hit singles and doubles and bleed you out that way. So... The first inning for Chase Hoover, he struck out the side on 10 pitches. <laughs> okay, but unfortunately, but... he threw 13 pitches and two of them went over the fence. <laughs> and I've never, ever in my life seen a start where it was either strikeout or home run. <laughs> so while he went four innings, gave up seven hits, seven runs, and what, four home runs? Five home runs. Five home runs. Five. 
I had a hard time second guessing the decision. Like Chase had been really good in his Tuesday night action and whatever limited bullpen action he's had. Give me the guy that's going to throw strikes and it's going to battle. Like Chase never looked when he came in on Friday night against tech. He did not look faced. It didn't look like the scene was too big for him. Didn't you say that um, all the home runs went out to right field because the wind was you know heading that direction? They just kind of hit were... the, the wind the right way. Okay, so we were debating this. I think only one of them was really helped by the wind, and it was the two out. It was the first one hit in the first inning with two outs. It was a high fly ball that Davis was drifting and drifting and drifting. And it went over the fence. We're like, damn, that's a nut kick. That should have been out number three right there. Well, then, like two pitches later, whatever big um, mute was standing in the box for Oklahoma State hit an absolute rocket with like 180 mile per hour exit velocity over the right center fence. And I think the three after that were no doubters as well. So I think the wind only really helped that first one. But who knows how the game goes if that ball stays in the park and we get out of that inning with no runs. Yeah, their last three home runs went right center, dead center, left center. So we kind of blended two conversations there. Uh, we talked about Chase taking over yeah, Vander High, <laughs> and then we talked about the home runs. But uh, Matt, you know, obviously pulling Vander High, a guy, a transfer, um, you know, I, I realize there's no promise of starting or any of that stuff. It's the best players are going to play. What kind of goes into – I guess that decision, that conversation that they're having with the players. Another thing that we didn't talk about was the fact that Vander High came in, um, gave up a couple of hits, but no runs. So he mm-hmm. did his job in those few innings. Um, but just kind of what that does to the team dynamics. Yeah. So it's really one of those things where you just have to look at is he, is his success, like, is his failure because he's unlucky or is his failure because he's doing it to himself? And so there's a difference between the two. If you're constantly going out there and you're making good pitches, but they're getting a flare here, balls in the hole, things like that, you're going to live with that guy continuing to pitch. You're going to let him, because you know it's going to swing back. The pendulum will go back his favor at some point, right? But when it came to to Vanderheide, he's doing it to himself, right? He's the one that walks. The, he's he's all over the place. He's not consistent. His his off-speed pitches are not, you know, inning to inning looking the same. They're, they're kind of scattered, you know what I mean? And so when you see that, you're like, okay, I don't know, like we talked about guys coming out of the bullpen, you don't know which guy you're going to get. And that's a very scary feeling on a Friday night when you're not, you know, that's when, that's when you don't want that feeling. You know what I mean? So I think the decision to move him off was based on, Hey man, you've got to find your rhythm. You got to find your groove again, because right now, you know, we can't afford to take a chance on potentially being down Oh one every single Friday. Um, You know, and that's kind of the way you look at it. And then as you guys pointed out, you know, Chase had been, you know, He's been putting the ball, you know, when you throw strikes, you get the pitch, basically. You know what I mean? Hits are hits, you give them up, that happens. But if you throw strikes consistently, you're going to keep pitching. And so I think, you know, with it being a short week, too, we, you know, have to think about that. You know, it's college, so it's a little bit different. But these guys, you know, one day sometimes is different, um, you know, can be different for them. So you don't know how they recover. But I think just having that idea with Ryan is just, hey, man, you're just not consistent enough for us to continue to put you out there, you know, and us potentially be behind the eight ball. Yeah, and you know, Ryan coming out of the pen, it wasn't like he was exactly crisp either. No. Uh, he did a good job of preventing no damage because he allowed no earned runs, but he walked three guys, gave up two hits yep. in his three yep. innings of work. We call those like hollow innings. 
You know what I mean? Like when you look at the box score, those are hollow. You know, you can have guys and they can even be, you know, like ERAs and stuff like that. Oh, this guy's got a 270 ERA. Well, it's a very hollow ERA. If you watch his games, it's like he's giving up balls in the gaps. Guys are making diving plays. He's walking. There's a double play here. You just know, like you said. So sometimes like the numbers can be deceiving in that regard. But yeah, like a box score, like, oh, you didn't give up any runs. Well, you were like this close from giving up four runs. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's, that's the kind of the thing you look at. And that's why when you make those decisions, it's based on like, hey, I know we got lucky today, but I can't ride the entire rest of the season on that, you know, because we don't know when the luck's going to end. Was that move a um, a surprise to Ryan? I mean, I'm, I'm, we're we're assuming here, right? Or presuming whatever conversations they had. But is that a surprise or is that kind of one of those things that it's a weekly conversation and he he was kind of ready for that? Hey, it's my turn to step back. I'm going to do what I can in the bullpen. I would say more than likely he, he probably didn't expect it just because of him transferring in, him coming in, earning that Friday night job. You know, he probably expects, and I mean, I know he holds himself to a high standard. You know, they all do. You know what I mean? Like he, he knows that he's not being as successful as he can be. Um, so I think he knows that the conversation may happen, but you also don't think at the same time, like, all right, I'm going to get pulled back to go in the bullpen. You know what I mean? So I know that they, it was definitely not a like, all of a sudden Wednesday, you know, or Tuesday on the Tuesday, because that was a surprise for me. As soon as I saw him come in the bullpen on Tuesday night, I go, I don't think he's starting again. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think he's starting. Like that's, we were, that's for me was the signal. We were debating that. What what did y'all say about Tuesday night? Because he only was in there for an inning or so. And and I, I thought, uh, was it Jacob? You made a good point, but it ended up not being the case. Well, I'll take it because oh. uh, we've seen this. Kirk did this before with starters, especially Friday night guys that have struggled the weekend before where they'll run him back out there and get an inning. You know, he's done it with Brian Howard. He's done it before with Crobe. And so that yeah. was kind of the thinking in the group text. Yeah, I guess yeah. I should have made my point more, more clear. It wasn't like I shouldn't assume that, yeah, it's definitely going to be Vander Hyde taking the ball in the first inning. It was more like my thinking was Vander Hyde is still going to be a key player on Friday night. Like I didn't think he was going to just be pushed down to, you know, Game three, fifth inning duty for one inning. You no, know I, I mean? I'm so, so, so don't get me wrong. I wasn't saying you were wrong. I was, I actually thought that was a really good idea. Like, hey, let's, if, if we're, if this is our regular bullpen session, I'm going to give well, yeah, to, I, you I know, think, stay warm. I, I think Vanderheide pitching multiple innings was always going to be the plan, whether it's, you know, the first four or the, the mid three or whatever, you know. So when Chase, when it looked clear Chase was going to come out of the game, it was like, yeah, it's going to be Ryan out of the pen next. And and my, I have another question. I don't want to like spend an hour on this game or anything, especially on pitching. We haven't even talked about hitting. But when you're Ryan Vanderhigh and you are the Friday night guy, I mean, that's 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 a label, right? That's a title. That's that's something you earn. And then you get kind of replaced by a freshman. Do these do these kids and I, you know, I say that as like they're not 30-year-old Major League Baseball players, does that kind of like change their energy, change their focus and say, I'm not letting this freshman, I'm going to come out here in the fifth inning, fourth inning, whatever, and I'm going to light this thing up and get my job back? Yeah, I mean, you definitely, it will cause a reaction. Some guys are different depending on who they are, what their reaction can be. Um, but for the most part, it's really going to be, I think it's a situation where, yeah, it kind of can light a fire under you and say like, all right, I mean, this was my job. I'm not doing my job. I need to get back to it so I can get back to what I do for the team. You know what I mean? And that's one thing where, you know, I think that TCU does a really good job of 
talking through guys through these kind of situations because if you watch every season, these this happens with starters. It comes and it goes and yeah. it happens. And sometimes <clears throat> you have to have this kind of jostle to maybe, you know, refocus them or get them reset and and then they can get back to what they were doing. But yeah, I mean when you when you're the Friday night guy, like especially at a program like this, like it's an important job. And it's not one that right. you don't just get. You have to earn it. But at the same time, you also are expected to be the best every time. Like it, it's, it's, and I mean, and you know, from personal experience, I was expected to win every single Friday night game. How'd like, you do? Was... <laughs> <laughs> we talk about uh, Air Force. Hey, I had, I did lose, <laughs> I did lose to a program. I did lose to a program that doesn't exist anymore. They had to change their name. Okay, that's my only loss in college. They had to change their name. Okay. Uh, that's that. the one we all remember that was right. their pinnacle that was their pinnacle and they're like we yeah. will never we'll yeah. yeah. that's our that. super bowl Houston, now Houston i want to be clear i don't anymore i don't i want to be clear i'm not saying that ryan you know is like giving dirty looks to chase in the locker room or no. stuffing him in the locker or whatever but you know it's, it's competition you know yeah your, pro- your ego takes a kid kind of a kick and it's like and sometimes yeah. it's needed and sometimes that's honestly sometimes those decisions are made like hey Let's see how this guy reacts. Let's so, see how we how we do when we throw him out there, like, and he's not the he's not starting the game. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I have a question uh, pertaining to Friday nights versus the rest of the weekend. Game one, Ray. Game one. Well, yeah, I think he's just we'll talking just, in general. In general, right, okay, because, gotcha. I mean, this applies to TCU because you know Saturdays and Sundays have been pretty good for TCU, so it's. Like, well, why don't you bump those guys up and then, you know, move Friday back to like Sunday or whatever. But I kind of like our guys, Cole and Cam, where they are. Yeah, I think I I texted this to Jacob when, um, you know, after the way that Cole pitched, you know, in game two, um, I was like, he might be your Friday starter going forward just because mm. of the consistency and the success. But then immediately after standing, I said, but I would be very hard pressed to move him off that game yeah, just because of how important it is because that game game two, and it comes down to it, whether it's regular season tournament time, regional, super regional, whatever that game is the swinging point of a season. And it's like, you have to have the guy that you can trust the most and is the most consistent in that game for you to make a long run. But don't you, know, you see this in the regionals a lot where like the first, the you know, the one seeds will not pitch their Friday night guy or, the, or maybe one of their better starters and, and hope that they can win that first game. And then that, that second game is where you see, okay, this is their ace. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is, some, there is some, uh, uh, some games and shit in that for sure. But, you know, you also have to go into it realizing that if you're not a one seed, you've got to win that first game. You know what I mean? Cause you can't put yourself behind the eight ball. Um, you know, in that two, three matchup. So it definitely, when you're, when you're the one and you're hosting, um, you can take those opportunities, but also sometimes it's like, man, just getting that first game and having it on your belt, you, you know, but I, I still, it always comes up. Cause then even in that scenario, MK, then that your game two starter is your guy on Sunday to potentially, you know, win it for you. Like so, to win, to win your regional and that kind of stuff. So it still comes down to that yeah. guy being the kind of the, the, almost like the determining factor of how, how the think- goes. I think this TCU team is unique in that fact, and we don't need to be doing regional previews right now, but I just want to say regionals started this weekend. I'd be totally okay with going with Sloan, Stoutenborough, and you know, bullpenning that first game, and that kind of takes the advantage away from that host. 
you know, because you're not having to throw your ace on that first game against a three seed, right? Like, I think we're deep enough that we can kind of level the playing field if we're a two seed in a regional. Um, we don't have to really get it because we got a, two other games to cover. And I want to get to Martin and Garrett on the offense. Martin. It, well, can I say that uh, last year, TCU's best starting pitcher was their Saturday guy in Marcelo Perez. Right. Yeah. But yeah, we, we, we got to move on. Um, so Garrett, give me some things you liked about the offense. And then Martin, what are some things that you uh, were disappointed about in the offense? Just so we don't completely ignore the offense. Things like about the offense for uh, game the, two, game one, game one, game, game one, game one. Uh, well, I mean, shoot, man. Yeah, I, I liked this. I liked that in game one. So we were able to battle, right? And I would like to see our guys not get discouraged by watching everything blow over the fence we were just talking about. And right. shoot, dude, like we were sitting right there and we see um, Austin. We were m- mere inches away, you know, from that yeah. from that thing, from that thing going over there at the end of the game. So, no, I, I, I liked I liked to, to, you know, what I saw from them that night. Um, they made it a battle. They could have they could have kind of given up after. After seeing all those uh, all those balls leave the ballpark, and, and they didn't, they ended up making it a, a really a really close contest. So, I mean, shoot, they had what eleven hits, I think, something like yeah. that. Yep. Um, so, and I mean, all balls. in all, uh, yeah, shoot. I mean, it's, it's another good, another you know, solid effort, you know, from the bats. Granted, it wasn't quite enough, but um, very encouraging game for the rest of the weekend. I mean, so, we, yeah, exactly. I don't want to say we buried the lead. It's not the lead, but. You know, Davis was three feet from a walk-off home run in the ninth inning. Yeah, yeah. man, right there, right there. And in the know. eighth inning, we had second and third and one out and didn't get a single run home. <laughs> yeah, so Martin, I may so. have stole your, stole your thunder there a little bit, but um, what did you see that, I, I don't know, I mean, that you didn't like, just to be frank? Yeah, I think you pretty much hit it on the head. Uh, striking out with guys on third base and less than two outs, that happened a ton on Friday or Thursday, game one. Uh, we had 11 strikeouts, 10 guys left on base. Uh, I think a couple times we had, like, no guys out and a guy on third base, and we'd strike, you know, struck out. Um, and that just kind of kills you, especially when you're down, you know, seven to three and you're trying to come back. Uh, you, you really got to bring that guy in from from third. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a similar story with most of our losses too, which I don't know. I, that may just be the variance of baseball. But all right, if we don't want a two-hour pod, let's move on to yeah, to, yeah, to game for two sure, for sure, which was Friday night. Uh, we met up a little bit ahead of time at Buffalo Bros for a couple beers, and boy, um, did we! This was this was the Anthony Silva game. Uh, just a just a week uh, on on fire for him. He had as many RBIs as Oklahoma State scored runs, uh, including two home runs. The Frogs won seven to three. Um, Cole Klecker looked great. He went seven innings. You know, he did give up three runs, but at that point, frogs were up and and were were you know rolling. So um, uh, there's a lot of highlights from this one too. Uh, Ray, uh, we'll start with you if you've got anything you want to talk about. Just uh, we were kind of wondering what Cole Klecker would be like in these last two starts. You know, facing two primo offenses in Tech and Oklahoma State. I'd say he has passed with flying colors, especially against Oklahoma State. I mean, seven innings pitched, scattered 
three runs, and it wasn't like you've seen a lot of uh, cluster runs, a lot of crooked number innings for uh, teams against TCU. It's a run here, then a couple of innings, and then a run here, and then a couple more shutdown innings, and then a run there, and that really gives your offense a chance to cook whenever they're not having to press and come from behind. Dude, Cole Klecker, man, I don't even know what to say because we watch him pitch. He's a guy, he's always around the strike zone. But I think in this game, he really had that breaking ball working better than I've seen in other starts. And I've never doubted Klecker because he's getting results. It's just being a freshman, you know, week after week, really good offenses in the Big 12 and being the kind of guy that, you know, it's going to live around the strike zone. It just seems like it's inevitable that one of these games, like they're going to get to him. And after Saturday and just let's say what it is, it was a must win game, which set us up for another must win game on Saturday. Hmm. Did I say Saturday twice yep. game? Okay. Friday was a must win game. Clack the double pitch. header. The double right. header was no. a must win. <laughs> no. I told you, I was, I told you four times I was going to make that mistake. Game one, That's game one. two, game three. Yeah, so I'm done doubting the kid, man. Every Saturday, or every game two, we're going to win because it's Cole <laughs> Klecker pitching. That's where I'm at until Mike, he so, proves me wrong. So my question for Matt is actually about Abelt. So he came in and had the last two innings. He's kind of had an interesting year, you know, some really high highs. He had a great uh, game two. He, the last two innings didn't give up a single hit, um, you know, for those two innings. He had a great night against Arkansas, um, but then kind of fell off the rails. Florida state was one of them. And then tech, I don't, you know, I don't, th I think the majority of us don't believe that was all his fault necessarily, but gave up a lot of runs in that game. And so it's really been the highs of highs and the low of lows. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're seeing with him is this is kind of what sometimes these freshman relievers years look like because they're trying to find, the, find their place, find their rhythm. Uh, they're trying to find the ability to throw sometimes multiple times on a weekend. You know, they've, that concept is super foreign to them of like, oh, you mean I got to pitch on Friday and then come back on Sunday and pitch again? Like, and no, that's not, I haven't done that, you know, before. And so uh, you can see it there with him. My biggest thing with Ben is, is his breaking ball has got to get better. It truly does because he can become a one to one pitch pitcher. And that's, that's where we saw, honestly, what you saw at tech and those kind of things is you saw a one pitch pitcher. You know what I mean? And so for me, I want to see some more development with his breaking ball because if he can get it, then you're talking about a guy who can face left, right, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to worry about it. It's not just a lefty dominant arm. You know what I mean? And so I do, you know, when you, when it's good, it's good. And you're hoping for more good than bad. But like for me, it's if we can get some, if he can find a way to develop his breaking ball a little bit more here towards the end of the season, that's when you're talking about having an, the ability to, a bit basically assign each of these late inning relievers a game and say, you've got this game, you've got this game, you've got this game, instead of trying to find the, you know, the magic button to push of which one, you know what I mean? You can almost kind of divvy it up and say, Hey, if Clicker, if Clicker's on the mound, then you're coming in behind him because now you're the, you're, you're, we're going opposite right to left, that kind of stuff. So that's what I think he can be, but we're going to have to see that development with his off speed because, you know, <laughs> Eventually, when you run into enough good teams and you come in and you get those days where you're one pitch pitcher, it's not usually work out well. Is this an unusual season where TCU fans need to have hope, but also patience? 
patience when all of a majority of our talent is front loaded on such young arms yeah. where it's like a belt could be good for three weeks in a row and it's like Omaha. And then he'll go out and get crushed. And it's like, what's wrong with our pitching? Is Kirk the right man for the job? You know, just some of the crap I'm seeing on Twitter, you know, no offense to any, it's, it's good crap, but it it's crap, you know, but it, the talents, what I'm trying to say is the fans just need to be patient with a stumble here and there. Do, do you agree? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you have to, this season is one where this is kind of, you know, it's a very interesting mix of a team, you know what I mean? Cause the last couple of years, because of the COVID situation, you had a lot of holdovers. Um, and guys that were around the program, you know, more than they would have been in a normal setting. Um, and so this is kind of that first year where you're coming off of that stretch of guys being there to where now it's somewhat normal system of a turnover. You know what I mean? And anytime, you know, the, the, the turnover that we've, that TCU's had in the last two years of the guys that, uh, that were playing, how well they played in the positions they played, you're going to have a season where it could be kind of this where you don't know exactly how it's going to, how it's going to go and it may fluctuate up and down. Um, but I think what you can take, you know, I guess you can you can take well in or take pride in is is that what you're seeing is these younger kids getting opportunities in really important situations and they're going to and they're having some success. And that to me is the biggest thing where when you talk about these freshmen and like these younger players having success in their first season sets them up for that year two, year three, where we're talking, OK, this is a team that's got something that can be that yeah. can go that can do it. You know what I mean? You don't necessarily put it and peg it on them, but it's like, well, if, you know, if Anthony Silva's playing the way he is now, how right. is he going to look as he matures? You know what I mean? And, and so that's what you kind of take with it. But I definitely agree. There's some times where people, they need to just tear back. You know, I know that we believe that every year is Omaha or nothing, but you got to sometimes tear back to just, you know, seeing that there is going to be these years where we are leaning heavily on inexperienced players. Mm-hmm. Perk, I have a question. Yeah. You know, we've seen a lot of uh, huge freshman contributions this year. And this year, this summer, this past summer, was the first time that freshmen could move onto campus early. I think most of them were on campus in July. And they had that month together where they were just all around each other, you know, before everyone else kind of came back. How important or how big is that for a freshman? I think it's great as far as especially for their off the field development. Um, I think it's huge just getting on campus, you know, getting in class, doing that kind of stuff. And then honestly for their, for these kids, the biggest thing that they can do is having that early access into the weight room with, with Dakin. Um, that to me, I would have loved that to be honest. Like I would have loved to, to the ability to have been able to have done that just because of there's so much that they can do now to where they're not behind. Like, you know, when school starts, because they've been there in the summer, when school starts, they're they're in the group with the rest of the guys that went out to play summer ball. Whereas like beforehand, it was we would start and you would be in like the quote unquote development group for like six to eight weeks before you were ready to join the team. So it was almost like two groups. But now they're able to get all that out in the summer when it's, hey, man, we can just focus on you know, the, I would say they take classes, but they're not like that. They're like intro to college, you know, things that mm-hmm. you just that you get credit for, but it's just kind of getting you acclimated. <laughs> yeah, they get you acclimated. But the biggest thing is they're getting that development in the weight room to where they can really, really push themselves that first year. And I mean, it's paid off for a ton of these guys that have had the ability to do it, um, you know, and you kind of see it, too, with the ones like, you know, this junior class, they didn't get that opportunity. 
Um, and I know for some of them, they would have loved, you know, have that chance, you know, Cam Brown, River Ridings, Luke Savage, Braden Taylor. I mean, I, if mm. you could have given Braden a, a few more months in the, in the weight room, I, we don't know what his freshman year could have been, even though yeah. as great as it was. What was your max squat? <laughs> I have leg press, leg press. Ah. Didn't want to hurt, hurt the back. Protect Didn't want to hurt the back. You know, well, when, you're one, when you're 158, of... they're not throwing around a lot of weight. <laughs> Times 50. <laughs> so speaking of uh, freshmen and ones that are not stumbling is a guy we're going to talk about a lot on this podcast. And we already have Anthony Silva. Martin, brag on this kid for a little bit. Anthony Silva is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Martin, I mean, for joining in. I mean, look, it sounds silly, but you can't say it enough, hey, right? Real I mean, quick. Right. Um, I, I want to, I want I'm going to set you up, Martin. Okay. Okay. All right. So, my Coors Light Taste of the Rockies uh, play of the game. So it was the fifth inning. There was a foul ball that more or less landed um, right behind home plate, right? So it hit the net. And OSU had a bat boy also. I'm guessing same age, maybe a little bit older than TJ Bruce's son. If you've been to a game, you've noticed that there's two young studs. They're both TJ's sons. They're helping out the dugout, grabbing foul balls, all that stuff. So the OSU bat boy runs over to the ball. But not to be outdone, TJ's son runs faster. He basically tackles this kid. He ends up wrestling the ball away, kind of leaving the OSU kid stunned. And granted, this was in front of a full crowd right there, and we went absolutely crazy. Um, you know, it was it was organic, you know, and so it fired everybody up. The very next pitch, Trey Richardson hit a single. The next batter, Braden Taylor, hit a single. Silva comes up, blasts a two-run home run. The crowd went wild. Martin. Yeah, so, uh, you know, in the offseason when we were talking about um, when Silva declared he was withdrawing his name from the draft, you know, we talked about him a lot. He was, um, I guess, considered a glove first shortstop and that that was going to be the tool that carried him, you know, his defense. And he kind of started slow with the defense, um, made made a few errors just like everybody else did during that um period of time where we couldn't finish nine innings without committing at least one error, but uh, he's really turned it on with the defense. Uh, he's made some really great uh, double plays. And I feel like with the defense, like his bat has woken up as well. And he's just hitting bombs. That's an interesting point. I think the two kind of go hand in hand. Like we watched. Uh, so first time we saw Silva was back in the fall when they played the Rangers developmental team. And the first ball that I ever saw, got hit to Silva. He made the play, but you can tell like in his body language and the way he kind of approached the ball, he was like really counting the hops and really focusing and he didn't really look comfortable. And that's kind of how he looked early in the season with some of those errors. But it seemed like once he settled in and realized like, okay, I belong in college baseball. Then, you know, you saw love. He started making more relaxed. He's, he's free flowing, you know, his, he's letting his hands work instead of being stiff and, you know, he's setting his feet and making throws with ease. And then I think that's carrying over to his bat. I think the two go hand in hand, you know, just being comfortable playing at this level. You know, yeah, he's, he's not just uh, hitting the bombs. He's he, he's hitting consistently. You know, I think yeah. I want to say game two of this series is like his 12th, 12th or 13th game hitting streak going. So, I mean, it's that's awesome to see. Yeah, thirteen game hitting streak. You know, Jacob at back at that uh, Rangers 
uh, game against their prospects or whatever, we sat next to the the uh, former scout that now writes for Lone Star Ball, covers the Rangers, mm-hmm. Tepin. And he said, man, I'm going to have to get out to Lupton to watch this kid before he wins a Golden Spikes. He's yeah, he said that's our hit. best bat in the lineup. He says he's going to hit over 310 home runs this year. Yeah, right now he's hitting 367, and he's got five home runs, or 17 yeah. in conference. Yeah, he was like he was watching, kind of like I guess his hands and the bat path and all that crap that the scouts pay attention to. And he said, "This is your dude right here." He said, "I know you have Braden, and you know his Braden stats will be better, and Braden's going to be a first round pick, but this is the kid I want to watch right here." Um, Garrett, any uh, cleanup from this game? Anything we missed? I think we covered we covered this one uh, pretty substantially, man. I think we're good. Okay, let's yeah. move on. Rubber match on Saturday, game three. Uh, this one was knotted up at five apiece through seven and a half innings, and definitely had some regional vibes to it. You know, if you if you were there, it was a lot of fun. Um, in the eighth is when TCU put Oklahoma State out of their miseries. They scored seven runs, uh, just on a plethora of stuff. A lot of hits. Um, not, nothing crazy or a couple doubles in there, but there was a throwing air, a wild pitch, a missed, um, kind of looper into center field that the guy missed and scored a couple on, uh, Eli's hit. And, you know, I, I don't quite understand why they let the you know pitcher stay in there for five of those runs. Maybe they just were completely out of options at that point, but, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun to kind of finish off the series 12 to five. They, they, they won the series and it was a great game to, to finish off with. So I have a buddy of mine that follows Oklahoma State baseball really closely. And when they brought that guy in there in the, um, the eighth inning, um, I don't have his name in front of me right now. Is it Stebbins, Isaac Stebbins? Anyway, yes. <clears throat> my buddy, I, I jokingly said Fontenelle bomb coming up. I think that's when we had like one guy on and we hadn't scored yet. And he goes, against Stebbins, really unlikely. So his take was, <laughs> this is our dude. Like, we're going to win. Like, we're going to stay in this game and have a chance to win because of him. And, you know, we look this year in the Big 12 playing on the road is hell. If we're playing in Stillwater, who Stebbins probably sits us down three up, three down in that inning. But not to say like it was because of us, but he looked uncomfortable out there. Every pitch, the crowd was on his ass. And I think that's what happened to our pitchers in tech. You know, you walk a guy and now the crowd is mean and you're like, man, I really wish I was being like, this isn't very fun. And I think there's a real effect this year. Like, I think the talent is equal enough to where there are factors like that that take over. So, MK, to answer your you know question, first of all, they didn't have anybody else. It's not a deep bullpen. Second of all, they did not expect him to struggle. They expected him to be Garrett Wright. Well, I mean, especially after Friday, he went two innings and punched out five. Or, sorry, game one. Excuse me. Sorry, game one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> game one, he went two innings and had five strikeouts. Right. So they expected the same results as him coming in there and doing the same thing. Um, which, again, like I say, that's the thing about having, you know, when you're not very deep in a bullpen and you expect guys to throw multiple times on the weekend, this is what can happen. You know what I mean? You can get kind of two polarizing uh, results that, you know, you, you expect one and then the other one comes with a shock, but really it's comes down to like, you know, I know for a fact, it's not the first time he's thrown multiple times on a weekend. 
And so it's just like when you start to get into these later months after, you know, you get through it, it starts to show up. And that's when, you know, you get these opportunities against guys normally where you think you'd have no chance. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to talk about in this game. I mean, just to say, look, this game was win and you're in the conversation to win the conference and host a regional lose. Then we're on here today, guys, talking about what's the path to make the tournament. That's how crucial this game was. And it won't be the last one we play when that, when it's from Austin come to town, we're going to be, you know, feeling that same stress. But I think, I guess making the tournament is kind of safe now that you beat Oklahoma state, but we can get in the weeds on that. We can't, overlook a lot of things here cam brown didn't have his best game oklahoma state was throwing jerron watts brown their absolute stud transfer i mean where do we want to go here guys i mean how did we win this game i can tell you how and it started back on friday okay go for it so the big concern coming out of Lubbock was, do we have enough bullpen depth? What's our bullpen like? I was hoping this is where you were going. Let me read off the numbers this weekend for TC's bullpen as a whole. 13 innings pitched, only three hits allowed, no earned runs giving up, and 17 strikeouts. That's going to win you a series every weekend. It should sweep you a series. That is unbelievable. That's blowing, right? Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, if not sweep, at the le- very least, it gives you a solid chance. You know, you know, Cam was a little shaky, and then Chase was shaky on Friday. Or Yeah, uh, and, and that leads us into what can you say about Sam Stoutenborough? Three and two-thirds, four strikeouts, no hits, no runs, a few walks. Um, I think two of them came in the last two batters he faced which led into Garrett Wright absolutely coming in and, you know, being the best reliever in freaking college baseball right now. Man, it was good to have Garrett back, you know, full strength, um, just feeling good. I mean, it's this is what, three outings in a row now where he just looks unstoppable? But with Garrett being here for a few years and how he's pitched in the recent weeks, you're thinking, okay, I feel pretty good about this. But when Sam Stoutenborough is coming into a, what, five to three game with two outs in the fourth inning, like, we like Sam Stoutenborough, but how far, let's see, Garrett, how far did he exceed your expectations? By a bunch. <laughs> By a bunch. This whole freaking staff has, dude. It's like, I don't know how many games now the staff has had uh, double-digit strikeouts, double-digit strikeouts. It's been it's been so awesome. And watching them carry us through through another one. And I know we're going to talk about all the uh, – we're going to talk about the crazy eighth inning. We're going to talk about all those runs put on the board. Um, but uh, but locking them down uh, for the five that they that they had, it's just – it's awesome. See, and, and I was thinking about Sam Stoutenborough in that game. I mean, he was basically perfect. He's what, like 18, 18 years old. Biggest game he's ever pitched in. He absolutely came out and owned it. So, so Matt, I'm I'm interested. Like, okay, so you are obviously like big stud guy, okay, but you still had your first experience in college where you like dominated. So, what what does that give us? Some um, kind of 
describe that feeling. Like, what is Sam going through there after that game? Coincidentally, so um, I was gonna say, yeah, that it's it's one of those things where with Sam, you know, him being the guy transferred from Cal, you know what I mean? Like he's he's had that time. Oh shit, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Sam, okay, Sam's, just Sam's got Ray, just edit out my entire. Dude, all these freaking new guys run together oh, no. with transfers. And okay, look, leave it in and I'll take my lumps. But the kid looks like he's 12, all right? Yeah. So yes. I'll own he's, this. Fine. He's a baby Forget face. It. He's a baby. But, but that's the reason you won the game. Yeah. Truthfully. Like that. Yeah, I that's mean, when you, you ask why you want, why TC won this game, it's because of him, you know? And so that's the only reason because when you have a guy come in early in a game like that where you're down, they've already scored five. And you basically wipe them out for the next three and two thirds. That's the only reason you have a chance to win a game like that. And that's the biggest thing. And that's one thing that I think that is like a staple of TCU baseball is when we talk about pitching, any pitcher that's pitched there has heard this conversation. Your job is to continue to give outs to give our offense a chance. Yeah. That's your only job. It's not about, it doesn't have to be pretty, nothing. Just give. Keep us close and give our offense a chance because eventually we will catch them. And it's, you know, and, and so like the thing, and we always talked about it was like, we never, we never lose games at TCU. We just run out of time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's what it is. And, and a lot of the times it's true. Yeah. Obviously there's losses out there and they happen, but you know, for the last part, we talked about like even, even game one, we just ran out of time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, that's truly what it was. And, and so, but this is the reason why, you know, having Sam come in there and completely put them to bed. Um, and without it, that game doesn't look the same way. You know, they if they get any more momentum there in the middle innings and kind of continue to tack on, yep. it just makes it that much harder for our team to be able to bring, you know, for TCU to come back. But, you know, he shut it up, you know, put turn the lights off, let's go home. Well, Man, can I, I add on to that? Yeah, go for so it. So going into that fourth inning, it's a one, uh, TC's up uh, three to one. Uh, Cam goes walk, single, homer then a triple, then a wild pitch, a walk, and then Sam comes in. So Oklahoma State's got all the momentum. I mean, they're just rolling at this point. It's now five to three. You know, they're bat flipping. Their dugout's hyped. And then Sam gets them to go pop up. Then there was a walk that put another guy on, but then it was a fielder's choice strikeout. You're out of the inning. It's five to three. Team's still got a chance. You're still in the game. And Sam had to quickly warm up, you know, because you're yeah. expecting with that inning starting up three to one. Oh, Cam's going to be able to carry me another two innings. And Cam had been good up to that point. Yeah. But then, you know, Cam kind of flies off the rails there. Sam has to quickly scramble, gets himself ready, gets in the game, and then stops him, stops the bleeding, gives your offense a chance, as Pert just said. And I will stand by that that was the biggest game Sam's ever pitched in in his life. So I, I at least probably got that right. What are you saying about <laughs> Cal baseball, Jacob? <laughs> uh, that that TCU ended them like what three years ago. <laughs> so, Jacob, what? Uh, so we met his mom after the game there at the Buffalo Bros. Boy, she was there after Ray and I left. They were celebrating. Yeah, man. and, <laughs> and uh, they they earned it, man. <laughs> celebrate that, man. That that was that was so cool. To, they said, uh, she said that, man, that uh, atmosphere was so electric. You'd be there at Cal Berkeley and there'd be like a hundred fans there in the stands. Yeah. Just you'd hear crickets. You could hear every single discussion going on in both dugouts. 
Nothing yeah. like the electricity that was in that stadium on Sunday or Saturday. So, uh, so Sam deserves the, all the praise he's given, but we can't overlook Garrett Wright. I mean, at this point, it's like, yeah, of course, Garrett Wright went two and a third and got everybody out. But, you know. Multiple inning Garrett Wright. Yeah. Yeah. Is that surprise you, Matt? It, it does. It does. I, and it's, I mean, I'm, I'll be happily pl- surprised for the rest of the year if he keeps it going. You know what I mean? It's just. I, I just watching him like he's in a rhythm right now. And that's the thing is when Garrett has, when he's synced up and he's ready, it's really, really hard to get him. It's and that's the kind of guy that you expect, you know what I mean? And that's why it's frustrating to sit here and you watch him, you know, and he knows this too. And and it was something that we talked about all the time. Like, dude, you just got to stay out of your own way. Like just yeah. stay out of your own way because they don't have the chance to, to keep up. And it's like you you are the only reason that they will have a chance. You know what I mean? If you would just allow yourself to be fluid and natural and in sync, man, it's boom, bang, boom, boom. I mean, this kid can throw a slider first strike in his sleep. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. And, and so to to have him go against that offense, it just matched up perfectly because it's they're trying to do damage on every single swing, and you can just just cut them up with sliders and curveballs to death. Man, so, it sure it sure did seem like Oklahoma State's lineup was full of Jobus. Straight <laughs> ball, straight ball. They hit far, but can't right throwing that off speed, that slider, and shambles. Yeah, I mean, let's, put was, the, let's put the fastball in the back pocket for now. We'll yeah. just ride this out. We'll ride this out with the slider and the curve. Yeah, Garrett, Garrett right, Red so, is like is like going to a scary movie. It's like okay, um, I you know. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna shit my pants, but uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun tonight. Let's go. <laughs> I will say, Perk, you had uh, one criticism of Garrett, right? What What was your critique? What do you need more out of Garrett? If you're gonna If you're gonna be the guy that comes in there and completely obliterates franchises, I'm gonna need more firepower on the fist pump. I'm sorry. I just I gotta see more. You know what Perk's I mean? On it, it's, the pod. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you just got to, and so I've, I've been, uh, I'm gonna be blowing him up this week and going, hey, we need to go back, watch the film. I don't care about how you pitch, just watch those fist pumps and let's work on that. We need some All side right. work on. The Are you field. gonna show him some of your old highlights of how you <laughs> no, 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 no. I got a better idea. <laughs> I got a better idea. I got, this just came to me. We get T.J. Bruce's kids out there simulating a strikeout, and then we have Garrett watch what they do coming off the mound. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're, they're, they're dude, operating dude? on full throttle. Yeah. Can he do the gritty? I'm not sure. About that. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Garrett Wright doing the gritty off the I mound need into the dugout? <laughs> I need it. All right. All right. We, we've, we've answered a lot of Twitter questions already, but we can run through a bunch of them. And then, um, but before we do that, any closing thoughts on, on game three? Yeah, we need to turn it over to the offensive team, Martin and Garrett, just to add on any because Anthony Silva had two more hits. I mean, guys, offense team, what did you all see? I mean, yeah. Uh, go go ahead, Martin. Sorry. I was just uh, going to say Curtis Byrne looks good. Uh, you know, come, oh, on, shit. come back. Yeah, uh, we overlooked run, And then, uh, you know, he started that rally with uh, bases loaded walk, got us going. And then, uh, you know, our. Uh, Elijah Nunez looked good, uh, clearing the bases. Uh, Curtis a little running a little slow in front of him. That's probably why he didn't have like a bunch of triples. But uh, the offense looked great. Yeah, and man, I'm glad you brought that up because if Curtis can take it, come in and take that DH spot, find the weakness in the lineup. You know, 
Garrett, anything else? You know, I was going to say the same thing you did about uh, about Eli. That was awesome, dude. I love seeing him um, being able to get in there and, and make that happen for himself. I think it's like his sixth or seventh multi-hit game for the season. So that's good. Um, all in all, awesome performance, man. Um, cool to see. Uh, it's almost it's almost kind of funny, like when you have an inning like that, that happens in the eighth, and you can almost just kind of see the give up slowly happening in the other dugout as this, the runs keep coming. It was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Ray, so I don't know if you can get that clip from Eli after the game, but, um, that was like a, uh, that was a pretty motivational speech. You know, it was a quick 10 seconds, but talking about, you know, when we're playing like this, nobody in the nation can beat us. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, for sure. I was down there interviewing him standing right in front of him whenever he said that. And we should, um, also point out, like I tweeted this, but, in the top of the eighth or the bottom of the eighth inning, when their guy was warming up, they played the hypnotoad video. And I literally <laughs> tweeted Oklahoma state's in shambles. Now, <laughs> Now, did I see a seven run inning coming? No, but I do not doubt the power of the hypnotoad anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> now, one thing y'all haven't mentioned at all <clears throat> is Trey Richardson and not only his offensive ability, mm-hmm. but gosh, dang, can he play second base? There was at least he probably saved three or four runs this weekend with his glove. No doubt about it. And I'm glad you brought that yeah. up, Ray, because this is something I was thinking about today. And I had just forgotten to mention it to this point. But if you look at the stat, you just kind of look at all the players and you know, relative to each other, Trey is not going to impress you with his numbers. But from watching the games and going back through the game logs, when Trey does get hits. He, he doesn't just have like a four for five night and then four straight O for fives. He's one for four, one for four, one for five, two for five, one for four. And the one that he gets every game seems to be at like the most important time of the game, Absolutely. like late in the game with guys on. <laughs> so is it sustainable? I hope so. But <laughs> right now his just baseline stats don't really tell the story of what Trey is doing for the offense. Okay, let's run through some Twitter questions. Thanks for sending those in. TCU oh, wow. Universe, uh, TCU Drew, he asked a few of them uh, that we've answered already. Did anyone support Hoover Friday night? Well, that was um, actually Thursday. Sorry, uh, Drew, you missed it too. Game one. Um, <laughs> we we I think in general we agree with the move, and I mean I w- I would expect unless you guys disagree to see at least one more week of that same thing. You know, I I kind of maybe think Sam Stoutenborough might have earned an opportunity. Yeah, slide somewhere in that weekend rotation. Love Hoover. I hope he gets crucial innings, but I think that that's the situation right now. Okay. Um, Is Silva's bat hotter than the sun? Answers. Yes. How concerned are we? Uh, We didn't talk about this with uh, Boyers uh, looking at the plate, especially against the curve. Uh, We we really didn't talk about Luke. Um, He had a rough uh, week, I would say. Um, overall, you know, I I don't know if he had a single Mm -hmm. hit, uh, if he was on base once, maybe I I missed that, but just, just kind of a rough week. I don't know if that's going to change the batting order necessarily at this point, because it's only one week, but you know, you know, know, I'm glad you brought this up because I was just looking at, you know, on base percentages and numbers and kind of how I would like to see the lineup maybe constructed going at least into the West Virginia series here in two weeks. And how about you move Anthony Silva up to lead off, then Trey, then Braden, 
or even Anthony in the two hole. I have uh, four out of five of the rest of us nodding our heads no. <laughs> yeah, I'll see that. That's a uh, very audible. I, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'll let Matt go ahead, but I have a thought too. Matt, go ahead. Uh, I think it's one of those things where you want to have you want to have the ability to do damage all across the lineup. Um, you know, too many times what happens is guys will do really well, and so the thought is, like, okay, let's bump them up. Let's move them up. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's great. Let's move yeah. them all up. But then what happens to the guys that are moving down? Now you're putting in a position where you've got three guys in a row that may not, you know, may all be struggling at the same time, you know, and so it's, it's, it's one of those things where you just love having the ability to be able to do things, you know, do, and, and also another thing you think about is like, do you have guys in place all throughout the lineup to be able to manufacture the way you want your offense to look? You know what I mean? Do you have guys in place that can get a guy over from second with less than two outs? Do you have guys that can lay down bunts in different spots? Because, you know, eventually as you keep ticking along, you get to the point where that stuff becomes the difference in games. You know what I mean? So I'm hesitant to like, Hey, leave him there. Let him keep hitting dingers. Let him keep getting hit. Don't, don't just let, let him stay where he is just because you want to have that, um, you know, ability, but like him and Cole being, you know, that in that spot there in the middle of the lineup, like that's some damage that you can get in those middle parts of the innings where if you've got, you know, Braden on base, well, now you've got two or three chances of being able to get him in, you know, whereas like if you stack them all up, you, you leave yourself kind of exposed, you know, but, um, but yeah, I, I think, I think you, I think you have to do something with Luke. I was, I'm glad this got brought up um, this weekend. Struggling is tough for any hitter, but striking out that much is different. You can be, you can be struggling and not getting hits, but when you're just striking out and a few times, especially there in game three, it was, he didn't even swing. 10 strikeouts on the weekend. You can just tell he's completely guessing. He's guessing. What about, what about on the week? Cause I think he had a golden sombrero on, on Tuesday against uh, Tarleton. Tarleton yeah, which is, no, he had no strikeouts yeah, against Tarleton. Did he? No, he went, it's, it's, it's really weird with Luke because he just went on like the biggest hot streak of his life. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, did this was this weekend good? No. Am I automatically going to assume it's going to stay exactly the same and we should move him out? No, I'm not there yet. I All mean, right, okay. So, so, so let's assume it's somewhere in the middle, right? It's not his hot streak that he had for two weeks, but it's not 0 for 12 or whatever it was. Where does he end up in the lineup if he's in the middle of that? Probably in the same spot. I mean, he leads the team yeah, in walks, so... Leave him, leave him right where he is. I mean, yeah, it's a tough weekend, but we've sat here before and had conversations about guys coming off tough weekends and not talked about moving them around, you know. I think you keep keep his confidence up, keep him where he is, and he'll, he'll get back on the horse. All right. The, the only reason you move him off is if Eli gets going. True. That's the person you move him off for. If That's Eli true. gets to the point where he's getting yeah. hits and he's walking, getting on base, that's the move you make. Otherwise, you just you you. There's nobody else. You don't put anybody else in that spot. Yeah. But if Eli does, that's the that's when you pull and, the trigger. And you do that because you know you want Eli getting four at bats in a game and not three. You know, he just he's he's a trendsetter for games. Yeah, as if when he's at his best, getting on base, walking, and being able to to move and all that kind of stuff. Because you could tell from the from Oklahoma State, you could tell the ability for TCU to run really affected their pitchers because of how much attention they had to get. So when you have someone where if Eli's at his best, 
you want him in that first spot to lead off a game because that's when you can strike hard. You can catch guys. You can catch these starters not in a rhythm. Speaking of running on pitchers, um, Frogs are successful in the last 45 stolen bases in a row. Um, Our guy, Billy, at BKC55, uh, he asked a question I think we already answered. Does TCU have enough pitching to make a regional and or advance to a super? This has been a pitching-heavy episode, and I think uh, a resounding answer would be yes if they're you know all throwing their stuff. Uh, Matt Peterson at Metamorphosis. Nice one. Uh, where do peeps rank on the all-time Easter candy list? Oh, trash candy. That one? Trash. That's that's a waste Close of a question. I don't possible. appreciate it. I don't appreciate the spam in our what, ads. And the what same trash can that candy corn goes in. <laughs> exactly. Frog at Worth Frog. Amen, brother. Asks, if you had $500 to bet on who wins the College World Series, who would you put your money on? Um he does. He does say it doesn't have to be all five hundred on one team, but I, I don't like that one. I don't like that follow up. I just want all five hundred on one team. Martin, I'm going to start with you. Uh, right now, probably South Carolina. Oh dang! Damn, that was going to be stole mine. My team. <laughs> that was going to be mine. <laughs> that was the SEC team that comes out of nowhere that no one's expecting. You know, and, and they well, like they were going to sweep LSU. The number like five team in the country. I that, think those, that hidden gem. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, I've got a new. They've, one. they've actually done it before, you know. This year, guys, we're we're making history. This is the year of the Campbell Camels. Let's go. Okay. Campbell, <laughs> I don't Campbell, hate it. Camels all the Roll way. Humps. Camels baseball. Roll humps. Right? Well, since Martin said South Carolina, I'm going to go another SEC team because the SEC seems to run college baseball in Omaha. And how about those Kentucky Wildcats? Yeah. Dude, number one RPI team in the country right now. You know, now they won't be the number one overall seed. And if you're the number one overall seed going into postseason play, that is the kiss of death. Hello, LSU, which is why my team, I'll stay in the SEC. I'll go Vanderbilt. So, yeah, I'm going to shaking his head at that. That's fine. <laughs> I think Virginia has actually looked pretty good out of the ACC. Um, they have kind of come on lately and are, you know, just destroying folks left and right. So if anyone comes out of the ACC, it's going to be them or, or Wake Forest, I would say. But all right. Eric, who do you got? Just based on sheer amount of investment dollars in it, I'm going to say the LSU Tigers. Uh, they, uh, You're they going to be sorry for that. They have certainly invested in this. They'll find a way to stumble late so that Rake Forest takes that number one overall seed so they get the two slot and they avoid ah, the curse. Nice. Uh, you know, but, uh, but yeah. You're going to be disappointed when Notre Dame goes into Baton Rouge. I don't think that storyline's playing After out they win the year. ACC tournament, that's yeah. the only way they're yeah. getting yeah. Yeah, yeah. It'll be no, someone I, like I, NC State <laughs> goes into Baton Rouge. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought right. that that's a place you can't go in, and I, I don't think anyone can go in and really, truly, atmosphere-wise, win two weekend. Like I, I just don't before. think that has. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna like I said I'm gonna put my money where where they are now because they've certainly done it. So we'll see how it pays off. All right. TikTok Tim asks, uh, "Can you comment on how TJ Sun absolutely bodied that little punk bat from Bo- uh, Bat Boy from OSU? We talked about that. Thanks, TikTok That's Tim. That's another. Uh, their Bat Boy also had a Theo Vaughn haircut going on. They <laughs> did. <laughs> um, Adam at TC Lotus Leaves asks a couple questions. We'll stick with one. Uh, what's your favorite baseball promo ever? San Diego Chicken Day was my favorite. I also liked a good soft serve ice cream helmet." Getting the Angels or Tigers was always a dis- disappointment. 
See, I thought he was talking about like TV promos, like uh, the Greg Maddox, Tom Gladwin chicks. Yeah, that or <laughs> that or like um, or even like intro videos, like the twenty yeah. um, twenty sixteen TCU hype video. We've already talked really about like. Hurtado at uh, at the ball at the Globe Life, right? But okay, that's <laughs> I'll go last then. If if you guys can quickly rattle one off, I'll think. Okay, I've got one. When it was bat day, and they used to give the full size Major League oh. Baseball bats, yes. it was always my favorite. I'll go second. Um, <clears throat> it's when the Fresno, what is it? Fresno used to be the Grizzlies, and then they uh, did they changed their logo to the Tacos. And I think they're the Fresno Tacos now or something. That was pretty big. <laughs> I got a hat. I played hat. in that game. I played in that game. Hell yeah. Nice. <laughs> All right, I got one. Um, back in like 2003, some high school teammates and I went to a Ranger game, and they were giving away umbrellas. I was like, all right, what are we going to do with this umbrella? Well, the Rangers got down about 12 to 1 in that game and came back and won 13 to 12 in nine innings. And we were like hyping up the lucky umbrella the whole comeback. <laughs> so that was my favorite promo night. That's awesome. All right, we'll end on this. Um, our guy Reed Simpson. Uh, Reed's been away for for a while. He's in, been in the Peace Corps. I think he's somewhere in Europe. Um, <laughs> he asks, uh, pick five freshman contributors or three, a couple of freshman contributors, uh, giving them a former frog comp. Um, so whether it's skill set, career projection, whatever, uh, we'll try to finish off with this question and then and then head out. So who do you guys got on current freshmen and then maybe a, a comp to a former frog player? All right, I'll start because it's a guy we've talked about all night. It's Anthony Silva. Um, the comp, watching this kid, Matt, you may know where I'm going with this because it's your former teammate, Taylor Featherston. When I watched Silva it reminded me of Taylor Featherston, just like a big bodied shortstop, you know, real fluid at the position, but also a real threat on offense. Now, after I'd said, that's what I'm going to do. That's going to be my comparison. I went and looked and Silva's got 15 pounds on Featherston. I thought Featherston was the big <laughs> shortstop. So but, I'll say you're overestimating Featherston a little bit. Well, maybe, but <laughs> if it's not Featherston, then I don't know who the hell to compare him to. What I'm saying, and like Featherston was about a 334 career hitter, about five home runs a season. But golly, did I love watching him play! Well, Silva's seeing no stats already, so I mean, that's the closest I could come up with. Mark Silva, <laughs> yeah, his uncle, his uncle, in the that 90s. Played at CCU. Yeah, that's, right. that's right. Yeah, his All uncle right, was a catcher, mine. right. Uh, I think he played multiple positions, but there's a picture of him as a catcher. Now, yeah. uh, Anthony's got a brother coming to TCU in two years. Hell yeah. Jacob Silva, that is a catcher that hits bombs. He'll probably get drafted and go pro. <laughs> I don't know, man. They really love TCU. That's true. All right. Who else? Am I the only one? So I'll go I'm next. And... Um, I'll uh, I'll take Carson Bowen. Love me some Cabo. Dude's hitting uh, three twenty six on the year, and my comp for him is uh, now this guy was not a freshman at TCU. Transferred in from North Central Texas College. His name is Brian Holiday. 
Hmm. Which is probably one of the greatest catchers in TCU history. But I think when it's all said and done, Carson Bowen will be the greatest catcher in TCU history. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Brian Holiday, his first year at TCU, hit 311. He only had one home run, walked more than he struck out. It was just real commanding. Then he went on to hit, you know, 300 and then his Johnny Bench here where he hit 355 with 17 home runs. I don't know if Carson Bowen can hit 17 home runs, but I mean, he's already got three this year. So if you project, maybe he goes to seven to 10 and then that 10 to 12 range. Yeah. But Brian played in pre BB core era, which makes a big difference. But Matt, um, real quick was holiday, a a really good defensive catcher like Carson is? I would say that arguably Brian was probably the best defensive catcher TCU's ever Okay. Had. That was a little before my time. Like, I was – I came to TCU the season after Omaha. Mm-hmm. I missed yeah, Holiday. No, I, he was – he was the – basically at his time and then afterwards, like, he was the standard. Like, obviously, he's the standard because, I mean – Well, I guess he Johnny, was a major yeah. league catcher, so that's a dumb yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, <laughs> if, you know, if you if you win the Johnny Bench Award, like, you got to be a pretty good catcher. Mm. You know what I mean? So, it's like, sure. I would say that he is definitely the, the, the rule when it comes to if your career turns out anything like his, then that's a pretty good one. Now, I'm, just, I'm beers. projecting – Holiday any good? <laughs> not no, projecting that's not what Carson. I meant. Carson still got some things he can work on uh, defensively, but he has won – Heck of a strong arm. I mean, that arm, it's quick and it is strong. And accurate. Martin, you got a comp? I have a bunch, but they (laughs) they don't actually actually fit the mold that how uh, much time do you have, MK? (laughs) No, they're they're pretty quick. (laughs) Uh Cole Fontenelle, he reminds me a lot of Jake Gunther, but not a freshman. Um Ben Abelt reminds me a lot of River Ridings mm-hmm. and also Augie Milbauer. They're all about like six foot left-handed, kind of funky. And then when they're throwing strikes, you know, they're really good. And then my last one, uh, Carson Bowen. Uh, so he doesn't really remind me of anybody that was a former frog, but he reminds me a lot of Michael Young. Uh, just his approach at the plate. He likes to go the other way. Uh, and then just his temperament on the field. Reminds me a lot of Michael Young. He shakes the hand of the umpire. And which is why you see a lot of comps with Carson that are compared to Zach Humphreys. You know, Zach was a super squared away. Yeah, that's, yeah. He, I mean, I just watched him, you know, come out in the first inning and I'm like, is that that's Zach Humphreys? I mean, <laughs> same haircut. <laughs> uh, Garrett, what's your comp? Or Garrett? Y'all, y'all took mine. I wanted to talk about Bowen, and now we've talked about him ad nauseum here. So I'm, I'm all comped out. Let's let's get out. Let's get out. All right, we'll here. finish with Matt. Well, yeah, you know, David and Chris think you can never talk enough Carson Bowen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, my comp um, is Braden Sloan, uh, and he reminds me a lot of Tyler Alexander. Um, you know, kind of. Fastball changeup is kind of the play. That's 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 how they attack Tyler through a little bit harder um, than Braden does right now. But they kind of have you know very similar bodies, kind of similar actions of what they're trying to do. Um, you know, and it's one of those ones where I think you know it it's, could be like he could be that kind of you know because that's the thing is Tyler 
on those teams, if you go back and look, kind of pitched really well, kind of, but he wasn't really, you know, wasn't talked about as much just because Preston was dominating the headlines and that kind of stuff. And AY, um, you know, and then Finnegan, like those guys kind of took the lights. But like, if you look back, like Tyler was kind of sticking, he was, he was a pretty good glue guy. Uh, to have him. Yeah. So, you know, if Braden can, if, if Sloan can do that, I mean, you're talking about, you know, the potential of, of a really good career for him. For sure. For sure. Now y'all haven't mentioned, fun, fellas, uh, but final thoughts before we get out of here. Well, con- I was going to say with uh, continuing on with that segment real quick, y'all haven't talked about Cole Klecker <laughs> and I was wondering if he could, uh, if he could be like Kyle Winkler. Yeah. That's a question uh, for Matt. I think you. I think for for him to reach that kind of level, um, you're going to have to see some development in his in his, in his off speed. Um, he's going to have to get some more swing and miss. It can come, you know, the development there. He's just a freshman, you know, he's figuring it out. But you know, if you go back and look at Kyle's years there, I mean, it was one of those things where he was he had the ability to have a swing and miss every single any moment in a bat, um, you know, and that's kind of what allowed him to be as successful as he was. And I mean, honestly, he was just a straight bulldog. You know, you knew it was going to be a tough, you were going to have to, he was going to be a huge wall that you're going to have to climb uh, to, to be successful when he was on the mound. So if, if Cole can get there, uh, then we're all having great conversations here. <laughs> yeah, All-American for sure. Um, okay, final thought for me, MK. Um, shout out to the crowds this weekend. I mean, I we talked about how big these games were, and I kind of wondered if that was lost on the fans. I don't think it was based on the energy in the stadium all three nights. So just major shout out there. Um, it was so fun. It, it, okay. We were talking about it. Like, this is why we do this to be in this environment. Mm-hmm. And just, I, I can't say enough of how amazing it was just to be at Lepton this weekend. Shout out the beer bat. That was a lot of fun on Fri- yep. uh, Friday. Yeah. <laughs> Made the Friday. Good. Yeah. Good for content. Execution was Pretty poor. <laughs> yeah, once you got the poor down. <laughs> Dangerous and inconvenient. Those bear bats were. <laughs> All right. So, Frogs, they are now in second place in the Big 12 behind Texas. They have a Big 12 off week. We've got Abilene on Tuesday night. They'll be at ACU. And then uh, we host UNC Williamton this weekend. Was that um, was that Hunter Hodges' previous uh, spot. Was oh, we didn't even it? mention Hunter Hodges. Know, Hunter good, Hodges good came to see back. Him back. Yeah, yeah. The two pitches we saw them. So he yep. gets, he comes back right in time to face his old team. So that's kind of fun. Um, but also join us on Saturday. That's our nine by nine by nine challenge. Come out. It's a, it's going to be a shit show. Give us Hit a that Venmo. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Matt, for joining. Appreciate you guys. Go frogs. Go frogs. Go frogs. Go frogs. Go frogs.